Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. RX, the company that I worked for, RX Tile and Stone, actually developed some exterior drainage systems. Now, this is really unique because we are actually able to do tile on exterior decks. And, and that's where most right. people have shied away from because decks move, wood structures move. Tile doesn't like to move. So what we do in these situations is first we put down a waterproofing membrane. Um, if it's over occupied space, so say there's living space below it, we're going to have a, a, a roofing contractor do that. Th this is where, sure. you know, you want to have a roof over occupied space. Exactly. Yeah. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we talk everything about your home every single week. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a special guest in the studio, William White from Ardex, man. Welcome back to Around the House. Thank you, Eric. Good times, brother, having you back on. And this is going to be a good time. I wanted to talk about something that we haven't actually ever tackled on Around the House. And being that I've been on the show for coming up on, geez, what, eight, nine years now, that's not a lot of topics. So this is a fresh one. All right. What I think is cool about this is that we have not ever talked about exterior tile because we dive into the inside stuff. But we're seeing more and more exterior tile out there. And it is something that... Much like a bathroom, you really have to plan this out for it to work correctly. I agree 100%. And I would add to that that, you know, with COVID, some of the things, the outcome of COVID was people weren't going on vacations. Suddenly they did have, you know, money that they'd maybe slotted away for vacation, but you couldn't go. They were stuck in their houses. And all of a sudden you saw this surge in the DIY I'm stuck at home. I'm finally going to start tackling some of those projects that I've put off forever. And one of those outcomes was investing into that outdoor space, that outdoor entertaining. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, there's the barbecue. Yeah, you might mount a TV outside. Yeah, you might, you know, do this, do that, add some lights. And then tile really finishes off that space. Yeah. Unfortunately... Tile exterior is one of the most difficult installations because there's a lot of factors that you have to think about. It's funny. I just saw today on a social media site, I'm in a bunch of different home improvement groups, and there was yep. a contractor in there trying to advertise his wares in the Colorado market down there. And this okay. guy's like, hey, I do perfect tile work. This is great. I look at the picture. He's got Home Depot concrete board up on the wall. He has that blue foundation waterproofing on the joints. Only, okay. Only okay. on the joints. Okay. And on the then, seams of the backer board. Yep, seams <laughs> of the backer board. That's it. And I can only see the mastic because it's half installed. You can tell he's in the middle of it. I can't see the mastic above the one tile. So you know that it's, is he dabbing the back? What's he? And I'm like, okay, this is some professional. And I'm going to use big air quotes for professional. Exactly. That is out there selling his wares, going to do perfect tile. And I'm looking at this thing going, man, you get a tiled bench. You have all these places. They're going to be water intrusion problems. And you buddy aren't even getting the shower, right? Yeah. Yeah. Showers can be tricky. And some of those same general practices of doing tile in a shower, which a lot of, you know, a lot of contractors, whether you're a general contractor or remodeler, as well as homeowners have tackled, you know, a shower. Yeah. And as long as you follow the process and, and do everything involved, especially waterproofing, they can, you know, most of the time there can be a fair amount of success there. 
Yeah. As we transition to outside, you know, there's, there's kind of two different applications, right? You've got horizontal and vertical. Mm -hmm. So depending on if you're maybe tiling, maybe around the barbecue or something like that, sure. that's one place that, you know, it's a little easier, but as soon as you start going horizontal and now you're having to deal with rain, sun, expansion, contraction, waterproofing. I mean, all these things come into play. That's where it starts to get a little tricky. And even more so if you're on a floor that has any kind of flex on it as well. Movement. Yeah. Any kind of movement. And, you know, people don't many times design that outside deck to not move like the surface inside your home is, for instance. So exactly. And there are approved ways to install tile on wood interior yep the only approved way per the tcna handbook tile council of north america the only yep. approved way per that handbook to install tile exterior is a floating mud bed so you're talking two and a half inches of mud waterproofing on top of that waterproofing below it tile on top of that i mean you're, you're talking about a massive amount of material some incredible skills to be able to pull that off and make it flatten and, and have proper pitch and just the amount of weight that that adds to a structure. So that's technically the only approved method. Now, interesting, Artex does have some options that that get away from that mud bed and, mm -hmm. and can do some things. Um, but that's where you're getting a little more advanced. Um, I think the place where most people start is maybe like a front porch or an entryway or something yeah. like that. That's That's where a lot of people will start dabbling and taking their, taking a stab at doing some tile. Yeah. And, you know, you're typically direct to concrete. You mm -hmm. know, most front front porches are concrete, yep. generally speaking. Yeah. If you're going to tile it, yes. I mean, otherwise it's just a wood, you know, right. it's just a wood porch or something like that. But yeah, I agree. You know, and a lot of times that entryway is fully covered or semi-covered. So you're not talking about necessarily a lot of direct exposure. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, as long as you get really good coverage. And when I talk about coverage, what I'm saying is, is the amount of mortar when you've combed it out on the substrate and set a tile down, you have to pick that tile back up and look at the bottom side of it. And you want to see 95% coverage. Let me tell you, that's a minimum is 95% coverage for exterior tile. That means really, really good. So yeah. where I see a lot of people make mistakes in that instance is that they're using a $10 bag of mud that they go down to the box <laughs> store and buy. And you're cheap, cheap, leaning cheap. on that way too heavy. <laughs> and you're relying on a $10 bag of mud to do something really special. And it just doesn't have the ability. And that's where stepping up and buying a really premium product is going to help out a lot. And also understanding, asking some questions. I'm going to be using this application exterior what's what's the best product and you know depending on where you live that may play a factor too are yeah. we talking about sunny southern california or are we talking about as you mentioned colorado where you're 100 in the summer but you're negative whatever in the winter you know you've got Jeez, these massive... i've seen 50 degree swings in colorado in an in afternoon yeah. so yeah i mean and that's crazy but that's that's what happens and what's ironic is is people go traditionally they pick out the tile because they go oh that's pretty how do i install yep. it but they even forget about okay what happens when this tile gets wet maybe it's damp maybe you're in a beach area and it gets sand on it i mean what you got to think about what's going to be on the surface of that so you pick the right tile before we even get into setting it <laughs> True and understanding slip coefficient. So some yep. tiles are rated to be in in wet environments, you know, because they're they're gonna help to eliminate that slipping and falling hazard. Which you know, heaven forbid, you know, you've got the grandparents coming over to to visit, and one of them takes a dive on the front porch before they even hit the house, like that that kind of ruins the day for everybody maybe that's so, how you get rid of the door-to-door -door salesman out there is you put the palace <laughs> career marble and a little bit of a sprinkler out there that you turn on as you see him heading up the driveway and yeah. then i'll talk to you if you can make it to the door 
That's <laughs> 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 true. It's true. But, you know, think about those things like, like, and is a tile exterior rated? Is it freeze thaw yeah. rated? You know, you, you mentioned Carrera, you know, me personally, I would, I would really question somebody putting natural stone outside, um, especially with the porcelain tile that we have nowadays that, I mean, when I can be fooled by some of the products that are manufactured in porcelain Amen. and I have to walk up and touch them to see, is that really a stone exactly. or is it not? I mean, they've gotten so good that honestly, why would you want to put something outside? I see people put slate outside all the oh. time and I'm like, no. That is like the worst material oh. to put outside, in my personal Flaky, opinion. nasty. Yes. It's just so hard to take care of. Get a little water underneath of it, and those layers Boom. start shaling off. Yep. I mean, it's also so porous that water absorbs right straight through it, gets underneath yep. of it, soaks the mortar, and then what happens when water expands? Boom. Or when it freezes, it expands, and... Yep you start popping tiles i mean well, it's just yeah why would you want to lean that hard on your waterproofing anyway and sit out there and on your ceiling go okay i sealed this a year ago by the time you realize that you should have sealed it you're again you're, you're, yeah you're putting another one in there and well, it's got a lifetime warranty seal no it doesn't you just wore the top of that soft thing off you know it's there's only so far that's gonna go Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's one of the big mistakes I see people make is selecting the wrong material. You know, that, that plays a huge part in it, you know, and sometimes that's where stepping up to a dedicated tile distributor is going to be able to provide you with a little better guidance than say, you know, like, like the box store, yeah. you, you know, cause they may not be experienced enough to be able to answer those questions specific to an exterior application. That's where going to, you know, a, a design center or something like that, where, where they specialize in flooring. Typically those people can steer you the right direction. They can say, okay, we'll stay away from here. These aren't the right ones. You want to, you want to be looking at these, but that can be helpful. Well, and on top of it, the box store doesn't have too many products in that building that are even rated for what you want to do. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to say with all the difference, you know, across the nation, who knows, maybe there is one that has it, but from what it I see be, around, but I'm just saying it's, it's a <laughs> find. It's a big ask from what I find around here. You're correct. No, they, they don't have the education and they also don't have the products. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll go back to that front porch as an example. If you're sitting there in that front porch, you got the tile picked out. Okay. This isn't going to, you know, grandma's not going to break an arm or get a head injury with this. Okay. So this is safe. And I've got this, you know, kind of maybe it's an old 50 year old concrete or a hundred year old concrete front step that you want to put tile over. I know so many people get out there with the broom, they brush it off, they mix up the mortar and off they go. There's a little more to that sometimes on the prep work than what you might think. I'm going to say it starts a day before that. I want to go out there with a pressure washer the day before I'm going to start my installation. I'm going to pressure wash 50 years, 100 years of grime and yep. moss and whatever else out. You know, blast that off the surface. Also, that's going to blow off any latency, any any flaking concrete, anything like that. Chalkiness. Yeah, chalkiness. It'll it'll show me if there's any places I need to make some repairs possibly beforehand because there are products that can go in and patch that. Sure. And then you got to let it dry. So maybe maybe it's a couple of days before. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it's the weekend before, and you you know do all your pressure washing, get things nice and clean. That way, you know, when you start the project next, the next Saturday, all you do have to do is sweep. Yeah, there you go. Now, I know I've dealt with repairing foundations. And when I would put, you know, uh, like a high strength mortar mix in there to patch that, we'd always wet that down beforehand. So it wouldn't pull the moisture out. How do you deal with that when it comes to tile? Because I know this is a whole different subject we're talking about versus putting on a high strength concrete versus, you know, some kind of mortar that you're dealing Actually, with. Actually, you'd be surprised that, that you know, giving that surface just a damp sponge, we don't want standing water. Yep. We actually call it 
SSD, surface saturate dry. So we want to rub the surface a little bit with some water, but we don't want any puddling. So we do want it to be dry when we apply our mortar. So that's never a bad idea because like you said, the thirsty concrete or foundation wants to rob that mortar, the water from the mortar, and it'll make it dry and difficult to work with. So if you can, you know, help that out and, you know, give the, give the concrete a drink first, splash some water on there, just make sure you don't have puddling. That's a great way to start. There you go. There you go. So of course you're going to sit there and start laying tile after you get all that prep work. You know, you've got things taken a look at. You of course got to check out to make sure that that Porch is sloping the right way. You know what I mean? Just to make sure that it's not tipping back towards the house. So you've got, you know, all of a sudden you're creating a swimming pool up there versus a a front porch. You know, make sure that's all going the right way. And I guess you're right because you can't really assume, right? We we all know what our fathers taught us about assume. So, oh, yeah. you know my dad, so you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so throwing a level on there and just making sure that maybe things haven't settled. You know, yeah. maybe it did have pitch and now it's dead flat. Well, dead flat isn't going to be good. We, we're going to have to add some slope back in there. And, and, you know, there are products that are designed for exterior use that can create that sloping because you're right. You do want water going away from the structure, away from the house. And that's how we keep you know, things dry and keep rot away. Just shed that water off. You know, and for our listeners, so you understand that concrete, especially when you have that big front porch stoop out there, you're putting thousands of pounds out there. And guess what? That foundation in many cases was dug out. So did they, and backfilled, you know, and backfilled. And so out where the end of the steps are, that's virgin earth. That doesn't have a lot of place to compact. But the stuff up against the foundation, maybe they didn't get in there and compact that correctly. So that's why that tends to lean back towards the house. And now's the time to fix it if you need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, so once we get into that, really, we start getting into starting to lay tile. Yeah. Yeah. Then it is time to start laying tile. So when it comes down to it, you got to sit there and lay your tile out first, figure out where you're going to start and stop before you even start ripping that bag open. Yeah, layout is king, right? So we always, when we're looking at tile installations, we want centered and balanced. That's kind of the the guiding principle to tile is centered and balanced. And when we lay out, we wanna have our cuts so that we typically have more than half of a tile if we have to make a cut. So that's the general rule of layout is, is centered and balanced. And if there are cuts that they're over half of a tile. Now, if you have like some funny L shape or something like that, and you have a couple little slivers here or there, that's okay because you're not going to hit everything all the time, but just as guiding principles, centered and balanced, and then your cuts, any cuts that you have are larger than half of the tile. There you go. Cause we all hate that little itty bitty. Little itty bitty on the edge. And, and if you've got a step, maybe that's got a couple different stairs, you don't want that little itty bitty on the edge because you're going to roll that thing right off of there. There's only so much you can exactly. do. So you want to make sure you got enough material to hold that yep. on there. Yep. And then once you've got your layout established, you know, I personally like to use a straight edge or I'll even put my level down and then put a couple mm-hmm. boxes of tile on that. And I use that as a straight edge. And then I'll actually set my tile up against that, that nice straight level or, or L screed or yep. whatever I'm using. Um, and that just makes sure that everything stays nice and straight on that, on that course, right in front of the front door. There's nothing worse than coming up and going, wow, that's hooking to the left by three eighths of an inch and man it's going to look worse than what you're starting yeah because it's just going to mess with everybody walking up to the front and, door. and that's why i like to use a straight edge as opposed to just maybe snapping a chalk line um and trying to stack off of a of a chalk line i like to use that straight edge yep. a lot of times if i don't have a straight edge like i said i just throw my level down there put a couple boxes of tile on it holds it nice and in place and then i tile on the other you're side good. yep yeah and you're good Okay, so now that we've got layout figured out, we're going to start laying some tiles down. Of course, I'm going to, I've learned well, I'm going to throw the Ardex down, but really what are you starting to look out there as far as the right material 
for an exterior application. So there are some specifics when it comes to exterior rated mortars. Um, and yep. uh, if you look on the bags of mortar, look for something that says it's an ANSI 118.15. A 118.15 mortar means that it's a high performance polymer modified cement based mortar. With it being that high performance, it goes through some rigorous testing that says that it will survive in an exterior application. Now, like I said earlier, that's not a $10 bag of mortar. You're going to have to jump right. up considerably in price. But think about it. This is your investment. You're wanting to do tile outside. You have to pay the price. Exactly. So you go through, get all your tiles set. You got the mortar mixed up right. You're set. You're going. You're good to go. Now the world, the you know, the world of grout comes into this. And exterior, you're asking a lot out of a grout. So I what are your recommendations? Yeah, there's there? actually one step that comes before that though. Before the grouting, and this is gonna sound odd to you, I know, but before grouting uh -huh. is all of our expansion joints. So because the sun tile is just a covering over top the let's use mm -hmm. this concrete as an example. You've got a, a yep. concrete block poured in place. It's two feet thick or whatever it is by, you know, 10 feet long. That's a solid monolithic mass of concrete. It is, it is sure. dimensionally stable. It doesn't move very much. The mm -hmm. tile, oh, I picked some pretty black porcelain to put out there, or the wife did. <laughs> now that tile covering is going to expand and contract at a different rate than the, than the substrate below it. So to counter mm -hmm. that, we have to put in what are called expansion joints. And expansion joints are simply just a silicone caulking joint completely around the perimeter because we don't want the tile. We want the tile to be able to have the ability to move as mm -hmm. well as occasionally we may have to put them in the field. So there are, there are standards out there that tell us how often those have to be. Typically it's not to exceed like eight to 10 feet um, in either okay. direction for exterior tile. And that's, so what I like to do personally is I like to take care of all of my expansion joints before I grout. And that's because once ah. I get going grouting, sometimes I forget about those expansion joints. I get grout down in there. Then I'm trying to dig the grout back out. So if I just yeah. think about that beforehand, do it the day that I, you know, set that last Smart. piece of tile. Then when I go to do my grouting, I'm also not getting dirty grout water into those joints, which would then be a bond ah. breaker for the silicone. Yep. That makes sense. And that way you don't forget. You still go exactly. through and, and, and brainlessly keep grouting, right? That's what all it. of us I've do. I've done it. I've learned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> same. You know, you're oh. in grout mode because I want to get done. There. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're wrapping it up. The, the mental math there is I got to get this box checked and let's get it done and get it yep. done right. So, so that, that ends up having a, you know, you get it in there, cleaned up. You got a really nice prod, product there. The grout, though, what are you going to use for a grout? Because I know I don't want people going in and buying that $12 box from the, from the home center and expecting it to perform for Again, them. just like we were talking about with the mortars, there are the inexpensive mortars that, that you can buy at a box store or buy anywhere. I mean, you can even go to a tile distributor and buy a $10 bag. Sure. Well, the same thing goes for grout. You know, that these... Anytime you're doing exterior, you, you're going to have to step up and get better products. And that goes for the grout as well. Um, so typically I'm looking for, again, back to use these ANSI standards, a 118.7. Yep. That means it's been mm -hmm. industry tested to be a high performance yep. cement based grout. Um, and yep. what that does is, again, they've tested it against porosity freeze thaw stability so and and mm -hmm. as an added bonus out of that a lot of times you can actually pick up some stain resistance as well which is never a bad thing to have in your grout as well especially on an exterior application absolutely. where it's going to get beat from everything yeah, absolutely so look for so i know people go ahead i know people like to jump in and go oh i'm gonna go epoxy or something like that on that is that something that they should think about doing outside i know there's going to be pluses and minuses to you that. know Typically, epoxies outside. I, I'm not necessarily a fan of exterior epoxy. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little one. It's a little overkill. 
you know, is it, is it yep. truly necessary? I use epoxy when I want the maximum in stain and chemical resistance. Now, is that what I'm really facing on my front porch? Not really. No. So, and it, epoxy grouts require, you know, a little more dent attention to detail, maybe some more experience. This isn't going to be your first, first time taking a stab at epoxy grout on your front porch. So, exactly. you know, I, I really do think that these high performance cement based grouts are honestly over time going to hold up much, much better than epoxy grouts in that type application. I always worried about epoxy and UV. Am I going to get a color change out of that with UV? Is something, if I've got a lighter grout, is that going to yellow with time? You just don't know sometimes with, with some of those products that anytime you use something that's got any kind of composite in it out there, UV can be your enemy. Someday. Absolutely. And, you know, there can be yellowing that can occur. Now, does that typically break down the epoxy? No, it's typically just an aesthetic thing. Um, but again, why go through all the effort and then, you know, two years down the road, have it turn yellow on you. I wouldn't be very happy. And that's why I typically tend to steer away from those kind of products. Makes yeah. sense. All right. So let's go to another part of the house. Let's say we're going to do that big back patio that's going to the pool. Okay. okay. And I have seen some new systems out there. Maybe you're using the larger format tiles. Maybe you're using even the bigger porcelain format tiles. I have seen some cool pedestal systems and stuff out there that seem really cool, but I haven't ever used them before. Okay. So it's something that I look at and go, hey, that's sexy cool. I don't know. I haven't played with Is it yet. It? So yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. They look sexy cool. Are they really? Um yeah. So with pedestals, so these are plastic pedestals that typically are adjustable in height in some way or fashion, and they mm -hmm. you'll have four tiles share one pedestal. So the, the corner of the tile just sits on there of each of four tiles, and they can be – there's a time and place for them. I wouldn't say that it's all the time or, and every place. Um where I see pedestals being very, very successful are rooftop decks where you've already got yep. existing air conditioning lines, things like that, that are running across the roof. And so if you elevate up off that roof deck, you can still have all those electrical and refrigerant lines running across there and your tile is suspended above it. Also, a lot of times on rooftop decks, they're pitched in such a manner that you don't want to follow that pitch in the substrate. You want to have a flat deck. So that's where pedestals you can. Because they're all heading to the scuppers exactly. or wherever else they're heading to in that roof. Exactly. So you don't want the deck to seem that way. Like it's empty in that way too. You want to have a much more subtle. Yeah. You know. So the one downside that I see about pedestal type installations is that they do mm -hmm. require a 2cm porcelain paver or a 3cm natural stone. Whew. They get heavy. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Each tile is about 40 pounds. A, a 24 by yeah. 24 2cm thick porcelain is about 40 to 45 pounds each. So yeah. that's a workout. <laughs> Think about hauling around that bag of quickcrete that you're doing. Each tile is about the weight exactly, of that, right? Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, these tiles get thick, they get heavy. Now, they're also semi, and, and I say semi because the manufacturers are catching up, but there aren't as many options in 2CM paver tiles as there are in a 3.8 standard porcelain tile. So you've sure. got to kind of take that into effect. Um, now, the beauty is... And for ahead. people following along here, just so you know that we're not talking about mortaring down tiles. These tiles are li literally floating on the corners. Gravity's holding them down, right? I mean, they're, yeah, exactly. they're, they're 40 pounds a piece, and, and the, and the yep. four corners of the tile are supported by these plastic adjustable pedestals. Correct. I just wanted to make sure we made that clear to everybody out there that's going, what are these clowns talking about? <laughs> and they are, they can create some really unique um, 
situations and solve some problems that are existing. Um, But that's when you need them. Now, a lot of times around, say, like a swimming pool deck or you're just your standard patio, you wouldn't necessarily need to go to pedestals, in my opinion. Well, especially when you don't have that elevation to work with. You got to have the space to do it. If you walk out onto a rooftop deck and you've only got an inch, you've got an inch and it's hard to sit there and make it. You don't want to make it where you're stepping up into this. The rainwater is still going to land on this. So you still need to account for where that surface is going to drop water at. So you don't want to get it up too high on the, on the building as well. You know, oddly enough, one of the mistakes that I see a lot of people make with pedestal installations and, and sometimes they'll not be thinking about this, but they'll set pedestals dead level. You don't want to do that. Ouch. You actually want water's got to go someplace. You want to shed the water off. So you want actually like a 1% slope, which most people cannot feel 1%. If you're standing there, it's not like the it's tilted or anything. Yep. You can't even feel 1%. But when water collects on it, at least it sheets off of these, you know, porcelain tiles, these pavers. And the interesting thing about most pedestal installations is you leave the joints open so that water can then roll off the edge and drop down underneath the tile then it's going to hit a a roofing membrane like on a rooftop and be you know directed towards the scuppers or or drainage yeah and well and the good thing with that is is all of a sudden if you did seal it let's say you did go in and somehow you know seal that up and hit it with a with a you know with a mortar or something like that or coming with a grout, you'd actually be creating this problem where you'd be putting all that water all into one scupper or one drainage you, system. You so could be, yeah. You could create some big problems with that. So that's why you don't want to do now, that. Now, some of the advantage of, of pedestals is that you break a tile or you need to service something below it. It's pretty easy to access it. Um, you stick a suction cup on it. You can lift it straight out. Let's say a couple of grabos and, and you're, you're going. going. I love the grabo for that purpose. That and, and two CM pavers, yep. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's different now, but that's not going to work in the pool thing. If you're doing the, the pool, that's a whole different thing because now you're coming from the house to a pool. And many times that pool is going to be tiled too. So now you've got a lot of different situations and transitions exterior with chemicals. You've also got, you got a lot of things going you've on. You've also got drains typically around a pool, right? And you've got water needs, you you can't have runoff water flow into a pool. So that means you actually have negative pitch going away from a pool. That's why there's typically the drains, you know, three, four, five feet away from the edge of the pool is to collect any water that splashes out and to keep any water that's coming down towards the pool, give it a channel away so that doesn't flow into the pool. So there's a lot to deal with when you're tiling around a pool. Typically, you're going to have a a poured slab present. Maybe it has tile on it. Maybe it's been removed or maybe you're starting from scratch. And typically, you're going to direct bond in that type application. Now, where you have a large expanse of tile, sometimes that's where using something like a waterproofing and or anti-fracture comes in helpful. So what an anti-fracture does, typically these are paint-on products that allow the tile to expand and contract say like when the sun comes out like i was saying earlier this is just a decorative covering so it doesn't move the same as the substrate below and an anti-fracture allows for a little bit of movement between the tile and the substrate but yet keeps everything stuck down so it just gives it a little more flexibility if you will nice and, and th- when you're designing this out, this is one of my recommendations. Think about the color you're using. Dark colors are in right now. But, but if you want to not like take the bottom of your foot off walking across it on a 90 degree day, leaving the pool, make sure that you've got lighter colors on your tile because it's going to be one much easier and it's going to be a lot better than having a dark charcoal tile that could be 140 degrees. It looks beautiful, but it's going to scald everyone that touches it barefoot. Uh, Again, also think about the slip coefficient around a pool, right? So all tiles typically have a a slip coefficient or coefficient of friction. um, And that tells you how slippery they are when they're wet. So think about little kids and they're always running around and hopping out of the pool and jumping in and their feet are wet and you don't want them to be, and you don't want them running around (laughs) the corner of the pool and sliding out and cracking their head. 
So you, you got to think about those things um, mm-hmm. specific to a pool. Yeah, they, they make a big difference. And then when you get into it too, yeah, I mean, this is expert level tile at this point. This is where you really, this is starting to get out of the DIY project stuff because not only do you have prep there, but you've got angles, you have drainage, you've got trough drains, you've got all these different things. And the difficult part is, is all these different elevations that have to work. They come together. And the tr- Hey, it's, it's easy to do a flat one, but now you're transitioning an elevation to another elevation. You've got, you're taking a perfectly flat tile and trying to make it do rounded things <laughs> that, that your regular DIY project is, it's not your backsplash. Right. It's not the entryway into your house. This is complex stuff and it's a lot harder than what it seems. And in addition to that, typically you've got pool coping, you've got a bond beam to deal with there may be a retractable pool cover. I mean, you've got all these <laughs> different elements that are coming together. And like you said, nailing all of those elevations and keeping things flat, but yet pitching to drains. Yeah, this is, this is getting a little bit out of DIY. Um, not to say that someone couldn't do it if they've, if they've already, you know, cut their teeth on some other tile projects around the house. Um, but definitely uh, it's going to be a test at that point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And as well as what do you deal? a great example here. What do you deal when you have expansion joints in the concrete? Yeah. So there's where it gets interesting to me. How would you deal with that? Because maybe they cut a expansion joint in it where it's just the, the, the crack control measure versus actually putting in a, a fiber expansion or joint. Or a construction joint or cold joint. Maybe they poured Correct. this concrete today and they're pouring some other concrete tomorrow or next week. So those are two different kinds of joints. One we call a control joint and one we call a mm-hmm. construction joint or cold joint. Yeah. Um, now, with these joints in the concrete, if it's a saw cut, we can actually use an anti-fracture membrane and honor those in the next available grout joint. So that helps us out. That's another reason why anti-fractures are are really helpful in that sort of application. That's if it's a saw cut. If it's a cold joint, a construction joint, it has to be honored all the way up through the tile. So this is where, you know, you really want to be talking to the con- concrete contractor's got to be involved. The GC, or, or, you know, this, like you said, this is kind of getting out of DIY because now you're having to involve other trades. Talk about, you know, well, can they match the control joints to match the tile layout? And and that's where, you know, some communication and, and pre-construction meeting comes into play just to make those things worked out. Now I've been on projects where they've actually gone in and done a epo- injectable epoxies into those joints mm-hmm. and deleted yep. existing joints where they put them and moved them over, yep. say like 16 inches, because now we were a perfect layout to a, to a grout joint and recut joints into the slab. Um, but again, you're talking about a lot of work and, yeah. and kind of getting beyond that, that do it yourself sort of because in in theory if you've got maybe there was slab a that is where the patio originally was on the house right then you added the pool in later so you've got probably slab b c and d around exactly if you're tiling over all that not only are they moving right and left they could be moving up and down depending on the clay soil and if it's getting dry versus wet you now have planes that could be moving in different directions a little bit. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of concrete contractors are going to dowel the side of that concrete. They're going to, they're going to drill it out Mm -hmm. and drive some rebar dowels sideways into the edge of the concrete, like halfway the thickness of the concrete. So that has good strength. And what that'll do is tie the two of them together to attempt to eliminate vertical shift. Um, if we do have vertical shift, you know, think thinking about tile specifically, you know, unfortunately, tile does not like any sort of vertical <laughs> movement, and and yep. there aren't any manufacturers that are that are going to warranty against that. 
Exactly. Um, so that's now I have tied I've tied slabs together. I don't know if you've seen them out there. Have you seen those carbon fiber ties? Ah, uh, yes. That look like dumbbells. Stitching. Yeah. So so they yep. go across. That's typically for cracks. A lot of times is is to stitch a crack together so that you yes. stop the movement from going any further, and can repair an existing slab. Yeah. Those things are yeah, those work pretty well because you can drop those down in. You got a saw cut and kind of two little whole yep. you know because they've got dumbbells yep. on, on the end. end drop that down in epoxy and uh <coughs> you're stitched back together pretty well i've seen them do that on foundation walls as as well as you know horizontal concrete super super impressive um i, yeah. I have seen those actually save from having to tear out entire slabs of concrete oh yeah Absolutely. I've used them that way before. Garages, um, those are great on those driveways as well, especially if you're going to do a coating over the top of it, let alone tile. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where a lot of times they are going to get covered um, just because they are, you know, no one wants to see those stitching across their driveway or across their garage. So it's, you're, you're going to no. do it before you do some sort of coating over top. Yeah, that's a good way to go. So yeah, we're getting into that expert level there on on that, what kind of same rules on grout, same rules and everything same else going through it as the front with porch. expansion joints. Exactly. Everything is the same. Now what we run into, so I live in Portland, Oregon, um, and we have a lot of wood structured decks. That's what they have, or that's what the builder put in, but yet they want tile. And typically, like, like I was mentioning earlier, you have to have two, two and a half inches of, of dry pack mud, which is a lightweight concrete yep. mix, sand mix. And then your tile on top of that with a, with a waterproofing below it. Now, a lot of decks, wood decks in particular, aren't built to take that kind of load because you're, you're talking, no. I mean, uh, thousands of thousands, pounds. depending on the size of the deck. Eh? I mean, that can get out of control yeah. real fast. So Artex, the company that I worked for, Artex Tile and Stone, actually developed some exterior drainage systems. Now, this is really unique because we are actually able to do tile on exterior decks. And, and that's where most right. people have shied away from because decks move. Wood structures move. Tile doesn't like to move. So what all. we do in these situations is first we put down a waterproofing membrane. Um, if it's over yep. occupied space, so say there's living space below it, we're going to mm -hmm. have a, a, a roofing contractor do that. Th this is where, sure. you know, you want to have a roof over occupied space. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to just depend on that. Exactly. That's, this is a this roof. This is a roof. And now if we're not over occupied space, we can put down one of our waterproofing products over top of the existing wood structure. And then when we go to put in the tile, we actually put in a drainage membrane. So this is about eight millimeters thick. So not, not okay. very thick at all. We're talking yep. three eighths of an inch. Yep. And what this drainage membrane does is you're able to set tile directly to it. And so we okay. only, the entire assembly is seven eighths of an inch tall, not very thick at all. And, no. and it allows any water that gets into that assembly to go all the way out because our decks can have proper pitch to it, go out to the edge, hit the gutter and be evacuated away. It also allows air to come into that assembly so that the entire thing can dry, can dry out. out exactly because that's what we see a lot of times when we see tile exterior we've all seen popped and broken tiles but also we see that white kind of gunky stuff in the grout joints that's called that efflorescence. efflorescence exactly so anytime you have anytime you have portland cement and it's exposed mm -hmm. to water water is always the culprit for efflorescence and what happens yep. is water goes down free salts in the Portland cement. And as that water evaporates out, when the sun comes out the next time, it draws those free salts to the surface and leaves and deposits them on the surface as the water evaporates away. The efflorescence is virtually eliminated with these new systems utilizing a drainage membrane because the water is flowing down and out not actually having to evaporate out of the assembly. Plus we've got air coming under underneath of it, drying it out. 
And the craziest thing about, about these systems from Ardex, none of the exterior systems are bonded. So they're all 100% floating over top of that substrate. Oh, cool. So they've got that built-in expansion contraction because they're free floating on top of the you know, waterproofing membrane. So that has got a full membrane that lets that deck move, expand and contract sideways. So that way it is uncoupled from that. So it can do whatever it needs 100% to. 100% uncoupled. Exactly. And, and lots of people have heard about uncoupling and it's, it's starting to come on and, and be popular even in the DIY segment because it's much easier to do. Well, now we're talking about something that is 100% uncoupled because it's not attached to that substrate at all. And the really cool thing is, is, is actually we have a project starting, well, they were going to start last week. I was out of town, so I don't know if they if they were able to knock it out, <laughs> but it was a homeowner, and he was actually installing one of these Artex Watek exterior tile installation systems as a homeowner on his own. Um, he had done his research, and he was an engineer nice. from out at Intel, so he, he understood <laughs> and was digging into all That's the fact. details of it. He found Artex and found these exterior installation systems and said, "That's what I want." We said, "You know, normally these are installed by professionals." And he said, "I think I can do it." Sure. And and uh, that job happened last week when we still had some good weather. Um, the other thing to think about is anytime you're doing tile exterior, is the weather. You know that brings up a really good sure. point. You don't want to do it when it's raining. You won't don't want to yep. do it when it's freezing. You also don't want to do it in the middle of summer in direct sunlight. Correct. So that means you have to take control of where you're working. Take control of your job site. That might mean if it's summertime, throwing up an easy up. Yeah. Yep. And that means that if it's if the weather's turned, you might have to tent it and actually put some heat in there. Um, you yeah. know, there's on commercial construction all around the world, they're tenting entire high-rise buildings so that they can continue work. In, in, you know, adverse climate weather. Well, you may have to do that. I did a whole house here probably four years ago. My buddy over at REF Construction, who I've worked with forever, second story edition. When did they start in our area? They were starting in like first of November. Oh. And in an existing house. And it was a partial, I mean, you know, second floor, the first floor but up below it was a living room and a kitchen that had all been done. And it was a second story addition kind of over the garage. And they came in with scaffolding, intended the entire house so they could, the roofers were in there. The roofers loved it. They're like, <laughs> they're in there just roofing away. And it's, they've got the tent over, they got a heater in there and it's January and they're roofing away in 55 degree weather. They thought that was just the bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is because a lot of these products that we're using aren't designed to be used in extreme cold weather. Um, typically, mortars cannot be used under 50 degrees. And that's the substrate temperature at 50 degrees. So if you think about yeah. a concrete deck, that can't be below 50 degrees. And, and overnight, it may drop low enough that, you know, you might have to wait for it to, to warm back up. That's why tenting off and heating the space allows you to, your products want to cure correctly. It also allows you to show up and, and start working immediately instead of waiting for that temperature to come up. Yep. There's all these nuances. Funny. We're yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, you're talking about that efflorescence earlier, and I have seen this in coastal areas around the country. So in the like 1920s and 30s, when they were starting to do a better job with their concretes, the problem that I've seen, and it even happened here in Portland, is some of the homes, when they were mixing that concrete, they took beach sand because oh. they needed mm -hmm. sand. And if they didn't wash it first, it had all the salt in it, so it had added salt. So then after that gets cured down the road, I have seen these things look like they're white foam on the outside. And I can literally, with a glove on, dig through the foundation with my hand and go all the way through it. And that was, you know, sometimes in those applications, those were actually site mixed concrete foundations. 
in yep. a lot of those applications um, where guys were would just have a cement mixer on site and they'd be getting some sand. And, and that's why concrete actually is designed to have a matrix of different size aggregates in it, right? So, so now we're talking about something a little different than mortar. Mortar, you want to have a nice fine aggregate so that it trials out nicely. Concrete is actually yep. designed to have, you know, different size it's all about different size rocks in it because the strength of concrete actually comes from the rocks and not from the portland cement that's used in it yeah that's just the binder yeah it's just the binder together. gluing everything together yeah so it's the rock that gives it strength and a lot of these old homes they didn't necessarily have enough an abundance of crushed rock to put in into their uh, mix of concrete oh i've seen i've i've done cuts in concrete before and you see the river rock in there you see it's just whatever they had around there and sometimes that's not optimal no you actually want an angular surface to that to that aggregate um, and that helps the portland cement actually get a bite to the edges of it and hold it all together so don't use river rock in your concrete (laughs) no no (laughs) fence post holes fine foundation no well that's fascinating man and you know it's one of those things that i think that Tile outside is beautiful, you know, and maybe it's not where you put the saltillo tile out there, but at least in our depending climate, depending on I mean, where of course you live, there's climate depending on you can you do. Yeah, if you're if you're yep. in Arizona, there's nothing wrong with doing saltillo tile outside, right? If you're in our area, ain't gonna work, folks. Yep, ain't gonna yeah. work. Yeah, if you're if you're above the frost line, that's a no go. So cool, and and I've seen so many exterior tile applications before we head out here. I'd love what we're starting to see on wall surfaces now, exterior, as far as using large format pieces of tile and some of the decorative stuff outside. It's really coming back style-wise. Well, and what I like about it is that um, on some high-rises now, they're doing these gauged porcelain panels, which a single piece of tile can be 5 foot by 10 foot. The cool thing about these oh, yeah. these giant porcelain tiles is the way that they're making them that you can they're literally graffiti proof. You can spray paint on them and it'll pressure washer ain't gonna hurt pressure it. wash right off. And it's like it's like because I know everyone deals with graffiti, especially in downtown type situations, and having yep. some of these products that that are just aesthetically beautiful because like I said, they're getting porcelains to the point now where I have to walk up and touch it to know if it's real or not. It could be steel. It could be wood. It could be anything. anything. And they've got these patterns that repeat, you know, it'll take, you know, a gauged porcelain and by the way, they flip it and turn it and flip it and turn it. And the several mm-hmm. different series, I mean, you may be able to get six, six, eight tiles away before you have a repeat in a tile. And if these tiles are, 10 feet long you're talking 60 feet away you're not going to see that repeat in a pattern i mean just where they're going with with some of this tile cladding is it's just amazing to see it is yeah it's super cool so i saw here at uh, my old radio station they were redoing the lobby Mm -hmm. and so they were doing the i think they were like five by nine okay panels on the floor Okay. okay which I was watching them set it and I was going, oh man, oh man. Because I was walking up the elevators, getting in and looking at that and going, uh-oh. I walked by it the next day when they'd opened that uh-huh. up and I could feel every lip on about four of the panels. Oh, yeah, see, and now this is where we're definitely out of And they had to bust those things yep, up. Yep, this is where we've definitely left the DIY zone when you're talking about tiles that are five foot by 10 foot. This is, this is where even professionals, yeah, I mean, I was at a, five-day training last week where all they were dealing with was these gauged porcelain tiles, these five foot by 10 foot. And, and now they're the manufacturers are even pushing to get bigger than 10 foot. I mean, it's going to, I think I, the, the largest tile now is 164 inches in length. <laughs> so we, we've definitely that slab countertop material larger than the XL slabs. We've yeah. Definitely left the DIY zone, but some of the advantages are just so amazing and contractors are now starting to buy in. I mean, like I said, I was at a five day training last week where there were contractors coming from all around the country to attend this training, to learn how to work with and fabricate and move and install these really ginormous tiles. 
But you're like you said, though, there's nothing more durable than that. And that's application. If it's absolutely, absolutely. It's it's just going to be super durable. You don't have grout lines. And uh, it's just one of those things that works. These here, they had to go and bust a couple panels out. And I was just like, I came by and caught it with my shoe. And I went, oh, that's that's not going to work. That's well. And and with even on a commercial job and with this gauge porcelain, it also lends itself to showers and bathroom applications residentially just as well. Because think about if you could have your shower wall in one piece of porcelain for the entire back wall, one for the side yep. wall, one for the other side wall. I mean, huh, kind of like my house, right? Kind of like your house. I mean, it, it suddenly it takes maintenance down to nothing, Nothing. And that's where using gauge porcelain on the walls, epoxy grout on your floor with a mosaic. And now you've got something that I wouldn't say maintenance. Just describe my shower. (laughs) I wouldn't say maintenance free, but I would say that's the lowest maintenance you can ever get right there. Man, I tell you what, and you're right, because, you know, I've got the the slab porcelain, more of a countertop material, but it's the same thing. Yep. And I've got that, the side panels, my ceiling pieces in there too. I tell you what, that was a, that was a dance that you were there for. William. <laughs> I'll gladly, uh, uh, not be there when putting 12 millimeter porcelain on a ceiling, half inch porcelain on a ceiling. Yeah. That was not fun. <laughs> yeah. That was pushing my, my, and I had two, I had two professionals there that were that were helping and it was their project and i was helping them to be honest and that was all i mean when you're trying to get the back panel in and i have to take the light bulbs out of the light bar just to be able to swing it around and get it in yeah over our heads it's not a good day yeah so i mean big tiles they they can prevent or present some some really interesting challenges uh but i think some of the benefits that they provide are, are going to be really fun to see what guys do with them in the future yeah, like in my house, we actually created the template and we actually did a walk in the door, up the stairs, around the corner, around the other corner to see if we could actually get that in the room. A practice run with just the template. Just a template yeah. because I wasn't sure if we were going to get that in the bathroom or not. We, it was close. And that's taking the bathroom door off, taking the bedroom door off, right? I mean, door I mean. Off. oh yeah, it was it was stripped down. I mean, it was like okay, I might have to take drywall out because I'll patch drywall if I got to get this in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there are some interesting challenges to it, but uh, it, it'll be fun to see where so where the tile goes. Yeah. Hey, one thing before we go, I don't know if you caught the episode with uh, our friend Amber. She was challenging you to get down and. Uh, get down to Colorado Springs and teach her uh, how to do a shower in her other That's bathroom. right. She has one more bathroom to finish up. And uh, I did. I made Amber a promise that uh, that I would teach her how to tile her own bathroom so that she could show up that very shoddy contractor who came into her house and did some bad work and then everything ensued from there but uh yeah so that's you mean that convicted felon contractor that went in there that i could say that that guy that guy yeah um you know that that whole project really it hit home with me because i thought about my mom and my sister and if if somebody did that to them like i i would be I'd be incredibly upset. I mean, that's, that's where my defensiveness kicks in. And and all I wanted to do with Amber was just, uh, I mean, inviting someone to work in your house is the most intimate space. And, and he took advantage of that. And I just, I felt strongly and I'm glad that my company, Artex America has backed us, provided all the materials. And we were actually able to go in there and fix her shower and and put things back together in fact my buddy jason mcdaniels is actually in memphis tennessee doing another bathroom rescue where some contractors did some shady work some shoddy work and he's actually fixing another bathroom right now as we speak man here we go again right but we'll close with this the problem is is there are some absolutely stunning people out there doing beautiful bathrooms and there's that small percentage out there that gives such a bad name to all the skilled professionals out there doing it. 
Yeah, I would say if you're ever hiring a tile contractor, ask for references. And and the thing is, is that looking at photos may not always tell the entire story. But when you talk to somebody who's actually had that contractor in their house, it tells much more of a story. And I always used, when I was a tile contractor, I viewed my customers as friends. When I left that project, mm-hmm. I was friends with nearly every single one of them. And that's just the kind of relationship that I like to develop with my customers. So, you know, ask for references. I think that's the best thing that you can do. And if they've got a CTI number, right, that doesn't hurt. CTI also check with a contractor's board. If if you have one in your jurisdiction, check with a contractor's board, see what their standing is like with the construction bureau. You know, there's lots of things that you can do. Absolutely. And listen to the hour one episode of the show that just aired before this, as we talk about how to hire a contractor. Oh, <laughs> if you missed that hour, there we go. There you go. Absolutely. All right. William White, my friend, Artex Americas, thanks for coming on today, man, and giving me a load of information for all of our listeners out there that have been tuning in today. Thanks for coming on again. Brother. Always a good time with you, my friend. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, brother. And uh, all the information for him will be in the show notes on the podcast here, or you can catch it over at aroundthehouseonline.com. All right. I'm Eric G. And for William White, you've been listening to Around the House. Anywhere beyond the mean Life is a love song, let's be lovers We're all over the radio Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.